Welcome everyone, it's back for K's Live Presents The Windup. I'm Brendan Azoff, with me as always is Stefan Rosner, and today we are live on air to talk about the Yankees, Mets, and other things going on around the MLB. How you doing today, Stefan? I'm good, how are you? How was your vacation? It was alright, you know, could have been a little better, beautiful place Curacao is, but you know, we're back now, ready to talk baseball, exciting week around the MLB. Uh, we can kick things off with the Yankees, right? Who are uh, now tied for first in the American League with the Houston Astros after taking two out of three in L.A. And uh, they made the Dodgers look silly. You know, they beat their best pitcher, Ryu, in the first game of the series, put up seven against him. And they took Kershaw deep three times in the win in game three of the series uh, Sunday night on ESPN and showcased their power to the rest of the MLB. Yeah, it was definitely a fun series with the Dodgers series. Obviously, go back to Oakland real quick. And that um, the Oakland series just was not good at all. You just talked about how the pitching was awful. But they did rebound against a great Dodgers team. And if this is a World Series matchup, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, we talked about the importance of home field advantage for the Yankees. And when you consider that taking two out of three gives them the head-to-head advantage against the Dodgers, that's a big turning point for their case at a World Series berth. And uh, now they turn their focus to Houston. You know, you got to take care of your business. And now you start the standings watch and hope that Houston can fall down a little bit. Because they're hot as hell, too. Now, you want to talk about Aaron Judge for a little bit right now? Uh, yeah, let's go on to it. So, you know, obviously, major slump was being questioned if he was actually – this is the type of player he's going to be. Someone who hits low average, not as powerful as he was as – first few years because pitchers obviously figuring him out that they're in that low strike. He's swinging it crap. But over his last seven games, he's batting 333. He's got four homers, six RBIs. He has struck out 11 times, but right now it's either a home run or a strikeout, and that's what MLB has become. But what's a good thing is we can go back to uh, the Oakland series when he hit a home run off Joaquin Soria on August 22nd for his first homer to left field the entire season, which is mind-boggling, but he just made the Yankee and he pulls the ball. But then in against the Dodgers, I'm pretty sure he hit one dead center field. Yeah, I mean, and he hit it to right center field, which is, if you remember his first year, that was his power source. He would pull the ball, and then he was still able to go to right. And this year, we all like, you know, the fact that he can go the other way, and that he's one of the few power hitters that doesn't get shifted because of his ability to do that. But at the same time, every batter's power is their pull side, and the fact that he wasn't getting around on baseballs was troubling. So, I mean, now he's got two or three homers now to left field. And even though he's starting to pull the ball, he was still able to go to center more towards right center. And it was like a 404-foot home run. So he still got that power. And uh, we were talking about how he was a little far away from the plate. It looked like he was swinging over the top of the uh, outside pitch, especially the sliders away, which has always been a trouble pitch for him because he's so tall. But now he kind of closed up the stance and he moved a little bit closer to the plate. And you can see that now he's getting around on the baseball. So hopefully these adjustments are something that he can continue to make throughout his career because every player is going to go through struggles. And as long as he doesn't let it go out of the field and affect his defense, I think that's one of the more important things that will separate him from other players throughout the league. Well, the question is, we can talk about how he was too far away from the plate, his legs, everything like that. Why is it taking this long for the hitting coach to, to do this? The same thing with the pitching. The pitching's been awful. Pitchers have been tipping their balls. And then Larry Ross finally comes out and he's like, oh, we're fixing this now. Why is it taking so long? I think it's something that Marcus Tim's probably did tell Judge and notice, and they tried to work on it, but 
baseball players, you know, hockey players, all athletes, yeah. which is a habit. So if you get into the box and you have that slight change, you don't feel comfortable with it yet, you're going to revert to your old habit. So he could have stepped in the box, you know, two weeks ago with that change, swung and missed, then goes, oh, maybe I don't like it, and, you know, just kept going back. But now that he hit that first full home run, you can see he gets up there and he naturally has that confidence again where pitchers are scared. And what I like most about his home run off Kershaw is that he swung and missed a slider before that. And it was a low pitch, and he saw a hanger and drilled it. And if you're Aaron Judge, those are the pitches you can't miss. You're, you're going to get them maybe once or twice a game if you're lucky. And if you miss those pitches, it's going to be an 0 for 4 night with strikeouts. So he's got to be able to capitalize on mistakes and make pitchers pay. And it was good to see, too, he, he wasn't against a bad team. He stepped up against yep. a very good team. And the thing with Judge and, you know, habit, you need to be set about Tanaka. We see him struggle all year with the um, splitter. And then we're talking about Ellen now with the fact that it's just like a batter changing his hands or changing the way he hits against the shift. Players come up, have a habit. You know, they're so eager not to change anything and just figure it out. Then with pitching, the way they hold the ball, he's been pitching the same way for many, many years. And that be telling you, you got to grip it differently. It's a hard thing to do when you revert back to your old habit all the time. So, I mean, Tanaka, he hasn't been good either. No, I mean, he's been up and down because he had two great starts before his recent yeah. in Oakland where, I mean, he went six innings, so he still gives them that depth. I and mean, he gave up five runs. But the way it started, it could have been a lot worse. He gave up three in the first. So I like the fact, personally, that he was able to shake up the first and give them another five innings, even though they wound up losing the game. I mean, that's the type of outing you need, especially at this point in the season, to save the bullpen because those are your key arms come postseason. But uh, for Tanaka, it's more of a fact that He's trying to yank the splitter now because he doesn't want to get hit out. So when he does, he misses, and then he falls behind 2-0, 3-0, 3-1, and then he has to throw a fastball, and he throws 92 with no movement. So when he falls behind, he's going to hit And, I mean, we see Harris will be now getting around on 98, 99 consistently. So if you're missing with 92 down the middle, it's going to get hit out. Uh, I think that if he wants to improve, instead of throwing those first pitch you know, sliders, first pitch sickers, maybe dot the corner with the fastball and then revert to off speed. We saw Paxton give up run after run first, and now he starts mixing in a curveball, and it's changed the way he's he pitched. One of the top curveballs in the, the movement that he has. And he was going away from that to a more fastball cutter combo, which is another thing that we can talk about with how Larry Rothschild obviously loves the cutter. Sonny Gray talked about how it ruined him and how look what he's doing in Cincinnati. Paxton started shaky in his Yankee career and now reverted back to his curveball, and he looks like a, the picture they acquired. So, you know, hopefully Paxton leans on that. Hopefully Tanaka starts to get ahead of batters again. And if they do that, they'll have two solid pitchers, plus Domingo Herman, who, after getting roughed up in Oakland, uh, you know, six runs, five were earned, over 5.1 innings. He did strike out seven, but again, he got played with the home run ball. But he bounced back in L.A. and put up a brilliant, you know, one-run performance last night. Yeah, and if you want to talk about the Dodgers real quick, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention my fun fact. Do you know Max Muncy played soccer throughout all of high school? I did not. Yeah, I just made it up. But the thing is that he, uh, you talk about that 19-inning call, that controversial call. Yeah. And, uh, you got Brett Gardner going a second on the forest play, right? He slides in. And then Mac takes Max Muncy out, clean slide, and then towards his round third. And the ump said that they had called time while Max was on the ground. And Max went after the game and said he embellished it a bit. But you got to do what you got to do to win. And he took advantage of it. And the Yankees were in their favor. There's no excuse for the Yankees, Hoffman, and Sanders striking out. But it happens. Yeah, I mean, the 
Talkman and Sanchez, uh, they got to come through there. But again, that does change the whole game. And even the fact that Torres was, you know, halfway to home plate when they called time and then sent him back. I remember playing Little League and they go, if you're halfway there, it's your day. You know, so it, it's tough and it's a tough one to swallow. I mean, I don't blame Max Muncy because he's doing his job there. You know, Gardner went in hard. It was clean because the throw from Turner did pull Muncy towards the runner. But he went down hard, you know, grabbed his leg, milked it a little bit. He got the team away because the Yankees could easily flip that three. That run scores, you know. Oh, I think they're bullpen over the Dodgers the extra inning. So uh, that changed the game. But I like how the Yankees were able to rebound, you know, shake it off. Maybe that motivated them a little more. And if they see the Dodgers in the World Series, they'll remember that. You know, they'll play for that. But uh, I can't blame Max Muncy. I love the fact that Gardner went hard, you know, the old-fashioned slide. So it, it was a fun, you know, exciting series. Yeah, what I was going to say about that game was Max Muncy came out after and said, listen, it hurt. Like, it hurt a lot. Well, he didn't know it and he got away with it. But also the fact that why is it not a terrible play? Like, I know it's the judgment of the officials, of uh, the umpires, but with the – the world is becoming, you know, all sports. You can challenge pretty much everything now, besides obviously balls and strikes. This has to be something that the Yankees have to think about where in the future that could be a world series game. Yeah, no, I would agree. I don't even think a challenge necessarily, just the umpire review it because, like, in this situation, Torres was running home. So maybe they go, all right, we understand he was running home. We did send him back to third, but let's go look at how close he was to home plate when time was called, you know, because. If Max Muncy got up, he would have thrown him out anywhere from where Torres was. Torres was very heads up. As soon as Muncy hit the ground, he ran. Um, so, so I don't know if you institute a challenge or just have, you know, it's like an eighth inning on, everything gets reviewed, it's a close play or a judgment call. That way, because these umpires, you know, they're left on an island now, too. We all say, oh, it's a terrible ball, you can't do this. But they're, they got half of the to make a decision. So why don't you give them the benefit of the doubt and let them go back and correct their mistake if they can. The whole point of replay is to get the call right. Not to, you know, tarnish anyone's ego to the first plate first. Like, it's to get the call right. So in a situation like that, there's no way umpire said to the Yankees that he 100% didn't see him halfway or whatever it was. But the umpire, know, he just called, he saw Muncy down, and yeah. their job is player safety. So he wanted to make sure Muncy was okay and just called yeah. time. But then guarantee you left, he got towards 20 feet away from time. No, and if, the, if the umpire said, listen, I, I didn't see it, then that makes sense. But, okay, thanks for being honest. Let's review it. But if he goes, oh, he didn't score. Like, there's no evidence for you to say that. You're not watching that play. You're watching yeah. something that's worth. So, I don't know. I think it's foolish, but that's baseball. Yeah, I mean, listen, you win some, you lose some. Matthew did start in four innings of two-run baseball, which – Honestly, makes me believe more and more that him and Severino will be a combination in the games in the postseason. I think that Chad Green will be better off suited for the bullpen, especially in the postseason, especially the starter. gives a short start. We saw half do that last year against the Red Sox, and Severino has done that in the past. So I think that if you put Severino and Sebastian, you know, two to three in each and then go to the bullpen, that might be the best way because when it's said and done, Sebastian is still better and he's still a guy that everyone respects and loves. And, I think that he'll be able to shine a little bit more in the postseason, and I'd rather have him start. I, I cannot no, watch no. Jay have pitch the game anymore. I think he's starting tonight, and uh, if he gets rocked again, I don't know how you keep playing the time. You know, it's getting to that point where it's just ridiculous. No, his stats are actually disgusting. It's brutal, and for a player like Chris Dell for the Red Sox, he said this is the worst he's ever had. He's embarrassed to take the mound. 
means. That's a, and that's a pitcher that's been a star. Yeah. Has been a solid pitcher in his career. Solid. I'm not going to say superstar. Solid. But to have the kind of year you have right now, he's not, you can't come out there. If the Yankees were in a playoff run right now, he's not. He's not. I mean, he's had a 5 5 8 ERA. And somehow he's 10 and 8. But. Well, that's because the Yankees score runs. I mean, Katie Sharp, I know she puts all these yeah. crazy stats out there. I saw something where he's like the second worst pitcher for in terms of ERA among qualified starters. That, that's just ridiculous. Uh, so especially someone that came into the Yankee Stadium last year in the middle of a playoff race, a new setting, new team, and he looked great. You know, he was given quality start after quality start and was a big reason why they wound up getting to 100 wins. And then they give him this two-year deal, he comes in, and he just forgot how to pitch. He can't get the ball inside to righties. And it's like he throws the inside pitch that he wants to go to righties to lefties who then just take it out of the park. And, I mean, we always know that he doesn't throw hard enough to really keep the ball inside the yard. There's a difference between giving up home runs and then giving up two or three a game. Uh, his home run per nine is atrocious. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but it's got to be up there among the worst. Also, I know that Aaron Sanchez of Houston was up there. So uh, maybe, you know, just giving half a couple of starts off, you know, it's like being a regular everyday player. Just to send a message when that's unacceptable. Well, he's been bad in his last. I mean, he's been bad all year. When the last seven starts, minus the one loss, because the Yankees against score runs. Get a 7.41 year end in 34 innings, 43 hits, 28 earned runs. He struck out 29, but I mean, it's still just this is a team that needs pitching to step up. And we've seen Herman be shaky over his last couple, but he, you know, he stepped up. He was strong yesterday. You see Tanaka trying to figure it out. Maxon's figuring it out. Sebastian gave you pretty much exactly what you expect. And now it's just half because, like you said, you cannot. Him out there. He's going to get lit up by every team, and he can't go down in games early. You see what happens with the Yankees. They're great coming back, but in the playoffs, it's a whole new round, especially when you're going against the top pitchers like a Verlander or. Yeah, I mean, you cut that rotation down to four pitchers. So you know that you're going to have him on there based on what he's done this year. You know that Tanak is going to be there because of his you know, season this year. Besides a couple of starts against the Red Sox has been pretty good. His numbers in the postseason, it's like a sub two ERA. So he's going to be there too. He'll probably be your number one starter. Then you have um, Paxton. He continues to pitch like this. You now feel comfortable with him. I mean, outside of the first, he's been pretty solid. So you hope that that first inning, you know, plague is behind him and that he can give you a solid start. And then you put the fourth game, Severino, Sabathia. And you got to like your chance. If Paxton somehow gets the start, oh, not Paxton, Hack gets the start in the playoffs, I don't even know if I'm going to watch. I don't <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Right? The, the roster. You're, You're not putting a great lineup. Yeah, but what are you going to do? You have to not go into the bullpen. People that think he's going to come out and give you relief. And I wouldn't trust. There's no reason to. Your bullpen's a lead. Why are you adding another arm? You don't put him on your playoff run. I mean, it's so perhaps that's, that's baseball. You step up and you play. You don't step up, you don't play. Especially when you have Patantis, Severino coming back from injury. You have Betty Garcia potentially getting promoted. You have Stanton who's going to come back. You have Hoyt's going to come back. You're going to have to lose some players from your roster. Incarnacion. Exactly. Cut, but I mean, he'll stay on the 40 man and come playoffs when you have to shrink it down and some roster to the series. He's not going to be on it, he's not going to be able to pitch. But you know, listen, he had 162 games. He's one of the few Yankees that stay healthy the whole year to prove himself worthy of that rotation spot in the playoffs, and he's not able to do it. I mean, you look at Jordan Montgomery, his first start in Triple uh, A looked very well. I think he gave up no one run, struck out a couple of batters. So I mean, you you could throw his name in the mix. You know, I don't think he's going to get back because of the amount of time he missed. But 
you just cannot let happen in the postseason. Yeah, but the good news though, the Yankees do hit home runs. Oh yeah. Um, they broke a record for the most home runs in a given month. They hit 61 in August. They passed the Orioles in May 1987 and Mariners in May 1999, which both had 58. And on the season, the Yankees have 241 home runs, and then it's second in the league. Minnesota has 253, and they're on a pace to just break historical records. Yeah, I mean, the Twins are going to break the Yankees' record last year with 264, I think. And uh, they're 11 away from that. But then you look at the Yankees, and the Yankees are going to break it, too. So uh, the Yankees are going to Exactly. And the Twins had a bigger lead than that. So they're slowing down a little bit. So I'm interested to see if the Yankees can, you know, catch up once Boyd gets back, you know, and Carnacion gets back. The Yankees have 241 runs from, you know, players who you would not expect this from. So I mean, 61 seems like a lot, but if you how many games do you think you play in, in a 31, 30-day month? How many games do you think? Well, usually you have Yankees had a month now where they had maybe two or three days off. They had like a 17 and 18 stretch, so that helps. Let's say they play like 27 games. And they hit 60 home runs. I mean, they're on their two a game. Yeah, yeah. they're on two games, which is expected. Yeah, they also played the Orioles how many times this month? Uh, that's true. I think they played them seven times, yeah, so true. that that helps a lot too. Yankees runs to win. I mean, not that. We're, that's yeah, reason. we're not taking it away from them. Yeah, you still got to hit them. Yeah, but um, just go to uh, quick stats for pitching for the Yankees. We talked about how bad the starting rotation's been. Bullpen's been great, but uh, starters have a 4.82 right? The team ERA is a 4.7, but that's obviously lower because it's 4.02. I think the bullpen will be better. But then you look at still Chad Green, he was in the bullpen starting the year. Hurts and, and I mean, their bullpen's. Well, Chance Adams and Luis have yeah. kind of killed that ERA. I mean, if you take the two or three, like even Nestor Cortez, you take them out of it. And then you just look at the big names only, their ERA is sub three by a lot. Chapman, out of Vino, Family, they're all under three. The slider was crazy. I've never seen a ball move like that. And he gets stupid. Yeah. It's just that good. And then Chapman came in in a non stage situation, first pitch slider for a strike. And whenever he throws that first pitch as off speed for a strike, you know he's going to get the job done. He didn't have that. He did not throw that slider that much when he's in the Reds coming up. No. This is like a. Yeah, well, I mean, his fastball velocity dropped from 102 to 98. So but you got to compensate. Yeah, like he can still throw it for 101, 102, but he can't go above that anymore. So he's compensated with the slider. But there's the hitters. They're fast the whole time. His worst enemy is always been himself. If he walks people, he's going to get in trouble. If he doesn't, very rarely do you see him go around to the hits. Most of the time, it's he walks the bases loaded and then gives up a hit. So if Chapman can control his fastball, control his slider, he's still one of the best closers, not the best closer in baseball. So now you talked about and they've had a. Rough stretch of the way down there, amazing stretch. They've lost five or six against the Braves. They need to win at least because they need to catch them. I mean, not catch them, just winning because, you know, the wild card. You got swept at home after sweeping Cleveland, and they're two games back. J.D. Davis, he's looking like one of the best. I'm in the rough. Yeah. Three hours, 44 RBI. You know, they walk up and Cleveland's a 10. But for the Mets, they're and great, and something different between Mets pitching and the Yankees. The Yankees give you maybe 86 innings, that's yeah. as far as we go. It's like every pitcher in the seventh inning. That's one because they don't trust as much. Exactly. But, I mean, it's still something that 
price time, you're going to get some big pitchers and big rocks. And mm-hmm. that, those guys have been stepping out leaving. And with all the injuries, they'll find themselves on the stack. So, when you fuck it all out, they can make it. You think they can? Yeah. They definitely can, but now they've got to keep winning. Let's team ERA is a 4-3-1, which is better than the Yankees team ERA. And that's with the amount of struggles that the bullpen has had this year. So that just clearly shows how dominant their starters have been. DeGrom, you know, looks like the same side on form that he was last year. And he's making a late push to get that award again. Uh, Syndergaard has figured it out. You know, he was hovering with a four ERA. Now it's back to a three. Uh, Matt's has been a perfect surprise. Keeping Wheeler was great. And then you added Stroman. So that rotation is, it's legit. And it's probably one of the only reasons that they're in the position that they're in. But they were so hot for so long that you know every team comes back down there. You know, it's just humanly impossible to maintain that level of play. But they've still been able to win a couple of games. They swept, they swept Cleveland, who gave the Yankees trouble. So that was a big sweep. But then the Braves seem to be their Achilles heel this year, which is uh, the same could be said for a lot of teams. The Braves are top five team in the league. But um, you look at what the Mets have done, and they've made it exciting again for you know baseball in New York. It wasn't just it was just the Yankees that seemed this year, and Pete Alonso's historic season was kind of going by the wayside because of the struggles that they had as a team. But now they're relevant, and uh, they still got a lot of time. They got probably 35, 40 games left where they can make that push, you know, and, and that big push at the end. They're only two games back. That's not that much, and you play the Phillies. You know, they're probably going to play the Nationals. So you got teams in front of you that you can beat and get back in the race. So. Well, they, yeah, they're big right now against the Cubs, who yep. are um, they're in the best water. Right right now. Okay. So that's a big series. Again, the Mets, the Braves are just a better baseball team. And I give it their all, but, you know, it's just a better baseball team. Mets don't have as much to work with. Um, Mets has been a great surprise. Oh, yeah. The Nationals are coming. They're on fire right now. And, um, the Cubs are blocked by the Nationals. Mets, uh, we'll get to them a little bit, but they're not having a long time with that team matchup. So you think the Mets go in there add to the Cubs the last couple of games, just push harder and harder to get the division at least seven. The offense has been great. Rosario's been great. As we said, players like are setting up. The Nats got in that community. Larry and Brendan comes. Are these guys going to play? I wouldn't change it. I mean, he has a little he's, he's a veteran that can hit, man. He, he put him in second. 330 base. homers last year. Right, you're going to put him in second base. You have played J.D. Davis. So no, J.D. Davis in the outfield. I know. But you have McNeil's in the outfield. He's in the outfield. So what are you going to do with him? Well, I mean, you see how Judd Barry does in, in a couple of simulated games, rehab games, but that's somebody, even if you don't play him often, Maybe you use him the way the Yankees thought they were going to use LeMahieu, where you give people days off, you spell him, especially in the stretch run, just to get him back. But again, the stretch run is not like they're not in the Yankees position where they can afford to rest people. You know, they got to win their game. Um, but this is a guy that's proven he could hit and hit well in this league. Uh, he did in the American League, so you know maybe the switch over to the National League could affect him a little bit too. But Nimmo is somebody that he's like their spark plug. Everybody loves him there. Uh, he came out of nowhere last year, produced, and he struggled with injury this year. But that's also someone that maybe you put him in right field for McNeil and move McNeil back to the infield, which is a natural position, and then use Larry as that platoon guy to spell people, maybe put him at third instead of Frazier. If Frazier goes on another slump. But uh, they have all these options they can use. It 
it's better to have all these pieces than not have them. So we'll oh, see yeah. what they want to do. What does Mickey Callaway go to? And I think with Cano, if he comes back, he's not going to play. It just, there's just, I mean, yeah, you're paying him all this money, but he should just come off the bat. I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose that. If Joe back I bet you Mets fans would love a uh, DH at this time. Yeah, Get all these in the lineup, even though their pitcher is hit, hit the best in the league. But, uh, I mean, that solves a lot of problems. You look at the Yankees, they have all these bats coming back. Where do they play? Well, one gets to play DH. So, That's a good point. The American League, I feel like, is more arrested than the National League is at that point because now you could put Judge. DH. So he well, can his bat in And the AL, especially when you, if catching, like in Gary Sanchez, you don't have to put him behind the plate. You have know, a more than qualified bat. He's a better defensive catcher anyway. And especially when everyone hurt, you're not taking on anyone at Sanchez at DH. But um, you go around the league a little bit. The weekend was uh, the Players Weekend jersey. I'm shaking my head right now. Those were the most horrendous uniforms I think I've ever seen in any sport. Um, first of all, you couldn't read the name of a white jersey, which kind of ruins the point of them having a nickname. They all looked like the Yankees. You couldn't see anything. And they had the white helmet on top of it. They looked like the Bix whiteout that you'd buy at Walmart. I mean, that was atrocious. But they did that. The Yankees in the black, you know, the black on black, I've always been a fan of. But uh, come on. How about an 85, 90-degree heat in LA? It's an all-black yeah, and you still got Chapman wearing the navy blue uh, full turtleneck on the ether. But, uh, I mean, those jerseys are disgusting. Clayton Kershaw came out and said that he thinks this is the dumbest weekend of the year. He doesn't understand why they do it. And if they do it for the players, and the players are reacting like this, maybe they shouldn't do it yeah, anymore. Because if they make jerseys, they could sell them more money. But I, Yankees lie about wearing They lie. Oh, that was his nickname. They changed it up a little bit. Uh, somebody it was one machine that came with something else. It was Big Fundy. Yeah. yeah. So he always put. He said that he always put the DJ on the back, similar to Gardner, who doesn't want to do it, so they just put their name. But uh, they encouraged him to put Big Fundy. He, that was apparently his nickname in Colorado, and Adovino brought it over to New York, so they called him Big Fundy. But I, I don't know. I just think that they should wear their regular jerseys, please. Because this is ridiculous. Or do the make them like cool jerseys. Don't make them. You know, they don't think they just went okay. It's gonna be white and black. That's it. Just wear your regular jerseys. Yeah. I'd rather see them. I'd rather see them in their road plays. Yeah. No. Exactly. They try. They only try. They fail. Twice in a row they failed. They should worry about review and uh, you know the jerseys. Yeah, last year they gave everything batting practice jerseys, and this year they gave them school supplies of the jerseys. So. What about um the relievers wearing? Yeah, I didn't get it all either. Because doesn't that ruin the whole? I mean, everybody else is going white on white, and the reliever goes black cap white. And we were talking about it. We were watching Joe Kelly come in, and I thought it was just him. We were like, he wear the wrong hat, and then you look around, and you're like, oh, all the relievers are wearing, you know, the black. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Man. On to the Astros. That team that was something well right now. So, um, top of the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to watch because you look at the Yankees go on this run and then they pull four games in front of Houston and you're like, okay, maybe it's the time they separate themselves. And the Yankees get swept. They lose four in a row and Houston comes back, went 7-8. So now they're tied again. 
it seems like these two teams, no matter what type of hodgers they go on the rest of the year, will always counteract each other. And they're going to, one team will finish one game, you know, maybe two games up on the other. And it's going to be exciting. We saw it in 2017. We're going to see it again this year if they meet. Whoever has home field has a significant advantage. And I think for the Yankees, home field advantage is so crucial. And it's not even the fact that, yeah, both teams get the short porch. Just playing in front of the crowd. I mean, for any team being home in a playoff, Anyone that I know, would rather be the away team. I mean, both parks are ballparks. You know, Minute Maid doesn't have a short porch, but they have that tall wall in left field, and the ball carries well there too. Uh, we saw how good Houston is at home. You know, those fans there, they suffered so much with you know bad baseball teams, and now they're all on board with these you know good teams back to back to back years. So it's a tough place to play, but we all know Yankee Stadium in October is probably the toughest place to play. So if you can secure that, you know, advantage, which Aaron Boone said he's not going to attack the bullpen. You know, he doesn't want to do this in case of injury, which is understandable considering the year they've had. But he goes, I still want that home field. And I know the Yankees are looking at the, you know, home field in the American League side of the playoffs, but you want that home field overall because that's big too. We, we know that they can now go into L.A. and they got confidence they could win there, but winning in New York is much sweeter. Oh, yeah, especially when you're and you'd rather see them win. But um, also, bad news for They have a half game in the top spot. And uh, Hoser is his wrist. He's getting surgery. He's out indefinitely. Will he be back? We've seen wrist injuries happen. Yeah, those are hard to come back from because you got to rehab your swing, too. You know, if you can't turn over that wrist comfortably, you can't hit. And he hasn't had a great year compared to last year. series. almost an A, a with, with almost the A on your team. Yeah. But um, that's a bad loss, though. Yeah, and that's one of the injuries I could actually speak to because when I was playing baseball, I did fracture my wrist also. And it's not fun when you have that just because of the pain. And I mean, I know in my case, they didn't fix it properly. So I can't turn my whole wrist over to this day. So, I mean, hitting doesn't, you know, it doesn't become easy. It becomes more of a challenge. You saw Judge struggle to get back. You know, when he did, swings a little slow. Your wrist is weaker. You have to work back the strength. So, they say four to six weeks, but that's the healing process. And you got the rehab process to get back to the professional baseball activities. That's a big blow. Uh, that really could put them, you know, on the outside looking come October. Yeah, and then we've also dealt with the Carrasco yeah. with his cancer. So it hasn't been an easy year for Cleveland. But they, I mean, they've done all right given the circumstances. Yeah. But um, next thing to talk about, and we briefly mentioned it before, is the National Swept the Cluster Wrigley. And that was the first time we did that since 2005. Big, big series one for them. And for the national team, no, that no one I think more people expect the national team after their horrendous start to be where they are right now. They have 40 teams in the wild card for the top spot. Yeah, everyone wrote them off once they struggled at the beginning and Harper was gone. So they said, oh, this team's not going to be able to come back. They don't have the pitching, they don't have the bullpen. But they've done a lot of this without Scherzer, too, who's been hurt for a good chunk of uh, the second half. and. Um, you look at what Trey Turner has done coming back. You look at what Anthony Rendon has done, who will be a free agent this coming off season. Um, they really turned their whole entire season around. And I wouldn't want to play them in the National League. You know, you can go Scherzer, Strasburg, one-two combo. And you got Patrick Corbin now at the three-star. Um, John Boodle will struggle. And if they want to win in October, they're going to need a closer. But uh, their lineup's been hitting. Their pitching's clicking. Uh, they're a good team. You know, but the Nationals do have a history uh, where in the playoffs they fail to show up. So that's always going to be on their mind. And 
you know, maybe Juan Soto is the answer. You know, he's a young kid, so maybe he'll step up and become that guy that gets the job done every team needs one of them. You still have Rendon, you know. Yeah. You've got these guys that have been there before, and you hope that the ones that haven't can come through. But, you know, the National League is to navigate because if they finish in a wild card spot, you're going to wind up playing the Dodgers in the first one. And, yeah, you got to get it. Powerhouse. But, yeah, we've seen – I mean, they made it to the World Series. They haven't gotten it done as well. So you never yeah, know. Hump in the playoffs. Yeah. The National League, they've taken care of with uh, relative ease. Uh, we got a powerhouse team in the National League. They did a double of 191. Which I thought 27. And Fran Mill Ray, before he left Cleveland, yep. 27. So that's cute. Hunter Renfro is having a great year, but yeah, the club record of 190 homers is, it seems kind of low. They did succeed. They were all pitching. I mean, they had and great hitters. Tony played them. They were average hitters, not home run hitters. So yeah. you can see it. And then the last thing we'll talk about before we open the phone lines is Mike Trout is the greatest player to ever play. And he's still, what, 20, 28, 29? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has 42 homers. career high. He's got 99 RBIs and OPS of 0.85. So me and Brendan a little bit I'm trying to buy and but MVP award. You can call him and discuss about this, but is Mike Trout automatically MVP or LeMayu season MVP? Award? That's in a mobile your team. It's in your season. Who knows? But Trout is got 42 home runs. Guys, 
Um, I, I think that they should definitely have an award similar to the Ted Lindsay Award, where it's a player's MVP, because that's that's the you know I, in that case maybe Lemay becomes the league MVP and Trout becomes the player's MVP. But since they don't, I think you look at it where it's the most valuable player, and we know where the Angels would be without Trout. They'd be nowhere. And you look at what what would Trout do for the Yankees if it was him instead of Lemay? Would they have more wins than they do now if they had Mike Trout over DJ Lemay? Most likely, yeah. So I think that he's more valuable. I just don't like the fact that Trout could be Trout could bat 400 and if team doesn't win, he's very valuable. I get, I get that whole thing where he moves out of the Angels, but in the grand scheme of things, he's just not winning. That's why I think like LeMahieu, he's been amazing. And his team's winning and some of the wins to him and his defensive play. And just everything about what LeMahieu brings and why the Yankees should have most advantage in the playoffs. Again, Trout's walk every time he passes, you know, what he's going to do. I don't know. It's just a complicated thing to talk about just because the Angels are best. Yeah. I mean, LeMahieu's been the Yankees MVP, no question about it. And Trout's been the Angels MVP. Uh, but when I look at it, who's more valuable? I think that Trout's the most valuable player in baseball. So, uh, I mean, when you look at Trout, he, he's the MVP. I mean, the year he's having, it's, it's surreal. Uh, you got the RBI, you got the home runs, the average is still there. You look at him on the field, too. His war speaks for itself. Uh, he's just every stat category is there. Uh, and I think you got to give it to him, which it, it stinks because when he was having a great year, um, he's fallen out of the top spot in the batting title, but he's got a career high in home runs. You know, he's got 87 RBIs. He's slugging at a rate he's never slugged before, but still, I mean, you look at his slugging percentage, 531, then Trout's a 648, it's a full. 100 points higher. Welcome. You're on the line. Hello. Can you hear me? We yes, can hear we can you. Hear hey, how are you? First time caller. Um, so I know you guys started the show talking about Judge, and, um, but I, I need to talk about Mike Ford, guys like Talkman, Cortez Jr., um, the guys on the Yankees that I'm, I'm just sitting here watching this amazing season unfold guys you never thought would be contributing, contributing on a regular basis, not one shot, you know, but on a regular basis. And my fear here is that when the stars start coming back, guys like Batanza, Severino, Stanton, somehow the chemistry starts to shift for these Yankees. Um, and maybe maybe um, there's a part of me that wants to see these guys that have been contributing all year be there and step up in the playoffs as well. But I'm just worrying about do the Yankees keep it together with these guys coming back or do these superstars who are coming back need time to develop? They're not mid-season form necessarily, and it winds up hurting the chemistry. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that's personally why you would put somebody like a Stanton try to rush him back and get him in game action before September ends because you want to see if he can do it. And if he can't, then you, there's no need to put him in the lineup because, like you said, Talkman's been doing what he's doing. Cameron Maben's been the stud since he's gotten signed and, I mean, all these guys have contributed, but you are paying, you know, Stanton the big bucks, the Panthers the big bucks, Severino the big bucks. So these guys are the guys that you have to ride or die with. And I think especially pitching-wise, the Panthers and the Severino are two guys that you need to have back. We talked about how bad happens and Severino kind of fixes that. And we talked about some of the guys in the bullpen that have struggled, you know, the lesser names. And the Panthers comes back, and now you've got six or seven relievers that you can throw out there, and that would be dominant. So I think those two guys are – have to come back and what do you think about that 
I think the sad thing is that baseball is a business, and yeah, Stanley comes back, you're paying him a ton of money, he's going to play. But guys like Tom, you have to give him credit the whole year, and I can pay more. They're doing a better job than Stanley might have done in their spot. Um, he's been great top great for Shelton and the storyline. And listening to the fans, I would say that you um, Brian Cashman, Cashman said that, you know, guys like Urshela are no doubt starting in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's a player like that worked into that role. Talkman's been great, he's been great. But again, with the amount of outlets that you have, especially when Stanley comes back, you can't be a chance, you can't be a Edwin. That's when he gets tough. But it's good to see that guy like Shella, who worked his butt off, finally get a chance to play full time. Four is also in a bad spot because they have two first basemen coming back. And, you know, Boyd proved last year, and he's proved so far when he's been healthy this year that he has power and that he can come through in some situations. And Encarnacion is somebody that's been there so many times and done it so many times that, you know, you, you can't not have his bat in the lineup. So Ford's been great. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't be where they are right now at top Yale without his contribution last three to four weeks. But those two guys, they, they've earned it. They've earned the right to play and come back without having to worry about Mike Ford. And if Mike Ford comes into the next, you know, off season and Carnacion's not there, you know, he has the chance to become the backup first baseman. And the Yankees could officially get rid of Greg Bird, so I think that's that's what he's played for is the chance at next year. But this year you got to give Encarnacion and Voigt that first base job back. I know that is a with our core that yeah he changed the way that in the chemistry. You don't want to do that this year with a team that's been this good. Same with the Mets, guys like Cano come down, Jeff Barry, Nimmo. When they won that role, they changed that lineup. Yeah. The lineup's on fire, but you know it's different now with you know the Yankees where they're so above her. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about how Stan's more of a strikeout or home run type of guy. But, I mean, in the playoffs, you obviously can't win on home runs. But if he comes up with first and second, there's a chance for three runs. If Talkman comes up with first and second, he's been good, but he's single. So that's one run. So in the playoffs, those three runs become more valuable. And I think that Stan's an MVP. You know, he's been in this league. He's done what he's done. and He's got to be the guy that you go with. So follow-up question real quick. Um, with all the injuries and everything, Boone hands down manager of the year in the American League. What are your thoughts? Oh, he is. There's nobody in the American League that has been in the situation the Yankees have been in. And, I mean, we always uh, – we have most Yankee fans, when I speak for the Yankee fan base, were ridiculing George Girardi when he was the manager, Aaron Boone last year, even some this year, but – you know, we talk about how the analytics department runs most of the managerial decisions nowadays, and Boone's been able to rally the guys, you know. He's taken these no-names and put them in the lineup and gotten the most out of them. So, I mean, the only other uh, coach that you consider is Minnesota's, but uh, I don't think that they've done enough where it's, you know, that he could beat out Boone. So I think that Boone's the AL manager of the year. And Aaron Boone got lucky where his team is just very good. The thing that he's doing with Cash meeting these players. I mean, the only reason we have conversations is because guys have called the players. So you have to credit that for credit Boone. But I think him Boone being able to manipulate his lineup on a daily basis and put a winning team out each time, hands down, he's definitely MVP. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Paul Molitor is the Toronto coach, and he's done a phenomenal job there. But they've also, you know, struggled in the second half, and they had a big lead over Cleveland, 10-plus games, and now Cleveland's closing in on them. So I think that the consistency of the Yankees have displayed with the uh, ridiculous amount of injuries 
Aaron Boone gets the uh, AL Manager of the Year. Thank you, guys. Wish you the best of luck. Hope the podcast continues. Thank Appreciate you. it. Great question. Uh, again, please a major part. Teams that are on a roll. Teams that are on a up. But again, the Yankees have, I know the Yankees have been on a roll as much in the second half as the first. So, do I think Stanford might like that help the team? I mean, yes. But only if you won't know that. Um, yeah, that that's, yeah, I mean, we were at the game where he had his only home run this year, so we've seen he could produce. Right, another call. Uh, welcome, you're on the Yo. What is up? Hi, this is Hussein. Hey, Hussein, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm, uh, I had a question about the Mets. Um, uh, center fielder Warren Garrett. You know, a lot of people are talking, saying best center fielder in the league, hitting like 400 since the All-Star break. Gold Glove. Um, uh, you guys think he should still play once McNeil's back, or? Well, we were talking about this earlier. We think it should be. It's going to wind up being more of a platoon because, again, you have more guys and position spots available. But Lagares has been ridiculously hot. We all know how good defensively he is. So it's tough to take him out of the lineup at this point. But uh, you know, Nimmo's going to have to have a chance. You know, you look at overall this year, Lagares is batting 218. So. You know, he's on a hot stretch, but we saw the Mets' hot stretch came to an end. Eventually, you think he's going to go cold. So, when he does go cold, now you have Nimmo and all these guys that can take his spot. So it's a good problem to have. You know, the Yankees have had it all year. The Mets are now starting to see it, that when you got these guys that step up and contribute, now you have multiple players that could do the job, and you feel more comfortable that you could win ball games, especially in the National League when you could use a pinch hitter for a pitcher and you have to rotate your position players more carefully than you do in the American League. The Mets are in a much better position now than they were two or three months ago. I think yeah. that he gets a chance right after that, but if he shows in his first games that he just doesn't have it, that's our no spot right now to play that game without the back. Your game looks awful. He just can't play because if he struggles with the team struggle, it's not good. So I think that there'll be a platoon for a week, and then after that, now he's going to have to go with the hot guy, and I would assume it would be Lugar, just because I don't think Nemo's going to snap that into things that quickly. Lugar does a lot in fielding. His hitting's been better and he's fast. So he's definitely a great player to have on the pincher like that. Yeah, and um, I got one more question. Um, uh, I'm not much of a betting man. I don't know if you guys know me much, but uh, I don't really throw down on anything. But one bet to win the uh, World Series, who you guys got? Win the World Series? All right, knock on. Yeah. Just like in, uh, I don't trust the Yankees enough to completely set it up. I don't think they can. I would probably say the Dodgers just because when they're pitching and hitting is on, and they have something that's had really new a little bit, is that they are so much. Anytime they have a chance to walk off and come back to the game, I feel like the Dodgers have to hear that they're walking off. It's not just one guy. Everyone that's yeah, but they've done it against the Marlins, so I don't count it. Um, I look at I before the season even started, I said the Yankees and the Astros are going to meet in the ALCS, and whoever won that is going to win the World Series. And I'm standing by that. Uh, I do think it's going to be the Yankees, and I did bet on that, so I have to stand by that. But 
Right, so we're going with the Yankees. Okay. Yeah, we're going with the Yankees here. But I, I think that the Astros and the Yankees have the best chance. And I, I can't pick the Dodgers like seven to just because I've seen them the last two years. And I think that the AL, when you bring the DH into it, the, the American League's just too much well, you know, more powerful. Home field. Okay. Obviously, the AL gets home field. The Yankees get it. I think the Yankees are the Dodgers in a series. But the Yankees are still going to have to talk to Astros. And we've seen Yankees fire a little silent. Yeah. Against good that happens, you know, they're screwed. And I think that they have to die. Again, Yeah, I would agree. So I I think the Yankees, you think the Dodgers, we could both be wrong. Could be the Braves. You never know. So if you're interested in getting one of those picks, just, you know, let us know. We know something. <laughs> All right, thanks. All right, thanks for the answers. Yeah, I mean, you can go back to the MVP debate if you want, because I know you think that uh, maybe should win it. But if he can turn it around and get out of this little season, because he does it all the time, yeah, then yeah. he'll he'll make more in the case if he can finish closer to 340. But if Trout does get back to 300, and now he's sitting there 300 with 50 plus home runs, 120 plus RBIs at the end of the year. Hard not to they get him. I want to see Trout play in the playoffs, and I feel like an MVP should be playing in the playoffs all the time. I feel bad for him. I feel like he's signed a long contract. He'll be an angel until he retires. And yeah. We're on the East Coast. We really don't get – I mean, that's someone that needs to be on national television as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, he really has, like, no October resume. He's had one wild card game. I mean, there's – like, that's crazy. Even Connor McDavid in the, in the NHL, who kind of ruined his 10 years by signing that big a deal with the Oilers, he had a full playoff run and we saw what he could do. So the fact that he doesn't have one deep run at all, it's just crazy. Well, Trout doesn't win the World Series in his career, which I don't see the Eagles doing anything. If anything, everyone's doing it. a couple. But, I mean, well, again, they have no good one. Otani, they got Otani to be a pitcher and a hitter, and he's, he's, he's pretty good when he pitched. He's not pitching because the injury got pulled to let his contract go and actually be fired. I just, I mean, I don't know. If my guy doesn't want to win, he's already the best player in the world, and he will be. But if he doesn't want to win, he'll be the best athlete of all time to never win a championship. I would think so. And But you also look at what you talked about is war, right? And he's single-handedly the reason why the Angels are 63 and 70, which means they're not the worst team in the baseball. They're not the worst team in LA, uh, in uh, the AL. I think there's about four or five teams that are worse. So they can't even get the top draft pick now because Mike Trout is so good at baseball. And that kind of hurts them. It's like, you know, you almost want him to stop being this good for two months. That way they can fall on the standings, you know, get that type of play. Like you look at the Blue Jays, they have Lagrero Jr., Bo Bichette, all these guys coming in because they were bad. They got rid of all their players and then they were able to build. The Yankees didn't get that bad, but they were still able to draft full and build. Uh, Houston was able to be so bad that they now drafted Bregman, Correa, Altuve, all these guys are there. Um, it, it's almost like they need that to happen, but they can't have it happen because of how good Mike Trout is. And they're now forced to try to add big names. And, you know, they added Josh Hamilton, Albert Pools, but all these guys are past their prime, but not as good anymore. So they got to try to find diamonds in the rough. You know, somebody like a J.D. Davis on the Mets that's able to bat 300 for them and give them some consistency because you already have the one guy you need. He's going to win you games. 
you just got to find pieces to go around. When you look around all the other teams in the league, you have the Yankees, Aaron Jones, I mean, we don't probably get to do every superstars on them, but they're our first point superstar level. Like, the superstar level a superstar. Look at the Dodgers, Bellinger, Seager. You have all these pitching has been great. The Angels don't have pitching, and they don't have young guys. Yeah, I mean, that's the key, though. If you want to build a contender and you have a player like Trout where you're not going to get the positional talent that you want around him because of how good he is, you got to find the pitching. And you look at the Dodgers rotation, Ryu, Bueller, Kershaw, you know, they've been really good and they're going to be hard to beat. But that's another thing that you look at the Dodgers winning the World Series. we got to see something from Kershaw. I mean, he's having a great year. But then in the playoffs, he struggles. And you looked at a big game last night. He only gave up three runs. But, I mean, the three runs were more than enough because when you are in the playoffs, everything's tighter. And last night was as close to a playoff type of feel as you're going to see. You know, you had the Yankees' best pitcher against, you know, one of the best pitchers in the last 10 years. They're in L.A. L.A. fans are smelling that series win. The Yankees need that series win. And he gave up three solo home runs and, Herman was able to find his groove and settle in, and that was the difference. So if, if Kershaw's going to give up three runs a game in the playoffs, I mean, you'll take that. But at the same time, you got to be able to match up against the other pitcher, and that becomes a struggle. Uh, don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure I saw this stat yesterday that Kershaw joined two or three other players in the league to go at 11 and give up two home runs or more in a start. I can tell you Verland is one of the others. Yeah, I don't remember who the other one is, but that's crazy. And just shows that you this year, like, you know, home runs are just in the absolute score runs. You know, picture like Kershaw against a team like Yankees. You're going to get burned. You're hit, yep. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get hit. And it didn't take him long to make a mistake either. And you deposited that first one, hanging curveball, judge hanging curveball. Um, I'm not, I don't, it wasn't a curveball that Ford, I don't know if it was a fastball or slider cutter combination, but he deposited that into the seats. And I mean, you look at Herman and what impressed me was that he was able to give up a solo home run to lead off the game after having the lead early. He then gave up a double and was able to work out of it. And that's the type of thing you need in October. Well, yeah, definitely. It was like a part this year, you know, again, this time, it's closer should be exciting, especially for the Mets. You know, the Mets are an asset. That's a great series. A great series coming up. The Yankees have to play again. They go into Seattle, a very bad. And you want to see the Yankees again? We want to see the Mets make the playoffs. That's what we want to see. I don't honestly think that World Series would be sick. I would love it. I, I mean, mean, a lot no, of stuff has to happen, but I would love it. There's not a huge chance that happens. But again, the Mets have to get in. And then the Mets can go farther than the Yankees. You never know. You just get it. I mean, listen, as this weekend goes where they beat the Cubs two out of three and Philly and Milwaukee lose a couple of their games in their series, um, the, the Mets could be sitting in that second wild card, at least tied with it by the end of this series. So, um, if they sweep the Cubs, they're, they're tied virtually because the, I think Philly and Milwaukee will win a game. But if they take two out of three, there'll still be one back of the Cubs. And that's a better position than you know, what they're in right now, especially since they're beating a team in front of them. And we all, we talked about Philly and Washington in their division, so they'll have that chance to, you know, get get at them and chip away at the lead. So they're not out of it. A lot of teams are not out of it yet. And it's going to be a fun last couple of weeks. And 
We'll be here on Mondays, 12 for 1, to talk about it, to talk Yankees, Mets, and everything else around the league. Thank you to our callers today. We look forward to speaking with you guys again next week.